Mario Masudi, Rob Wilson, Tim Winnefelt, the Seminole Insider Podcast is back for another episode. Florida State, let's get right into it, drops a game to Notre Dame, 42-13 to the final. There were moments in that game where Florida State did some nice things. I want to start with the rushing attack. I actually thought for the first time all year there were signs of not just life, but both Jacquez Patrick and Cam Akers being able to find holes via good offensive line blocking. Yeah, I think there was that, uh, and I also thought that you know watching Cam, uh, you could see him running hard, and I don't I don't mean to imply that that he wasn't before, but you could definitely tell, um, you know, he had a little uh, little pep in his step, a little extra burst, and you know I thought he was he looked strong uh, to me, and so that was an encouraging development. Jacquez Patrick too had a nice sequence of a couple straight runs uh, midway through that game, and yeah, you know you, you would like to see that extrapolated over a full game. You know Willie Taggart talked about it after the game, and Walt Bell, uh, the offensive coordinator, said earlier this week that. Uh, the running game, it's looking good, but the problem is you're getting down 17 nothing in the first quarter. Well, now you can't run the ball, especially when Notre Dame likes to run the ball too. Uh, you're, you're fighting against the clock at that point. So, you know, your next step, I think, is reversing that script a little bit or a lot and, and giving yourself a chance to really see what kind of strides your running game has made because I think the signs of it are there, but because of game script and game flow, you haven't actually been able to use it the way you'd like. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I did. How deflating was it to throw that interception and set Notre Dame up right away? And yeah. just, you know, all the preparation, all the chances, uh, effectively, as you mentioned, shut out half your playbook within the first seven, eight minutes of, of gameplay. Now, that's our fault, obviously, but uh, by the same token, you know, we haven't pulled any rabbits out of the hat in terms of getting any luck at all this season. It just continued there. That actually should have been a catch. Yeah. Ends up being a pick, and uh, and, and it goes from there. John Williams played at, at, right, at tackle. right tackle. And, and played pretty well, I yeah. thought. Uh, and uh, as you mentioned, the running game got a little bit of steam, and you could see that Notre Dame was having trouble with it. Some stuff was working, and uh, you just couldn't dig out of that hole in, in that environment. You know, it was senior day, and they had like 58 seniors, not 58, but I well, think man, they, they had, had 30, a lot. 31 seniors, I think they said yeah. they introduced. So uh, they introduced Rudy again, and I guess <laughs> they introduce him every year. And Just kidding. But... Uh, but, you know, tough environment. Mm-hmm. It didn't play well. It didn't play uh, uh, probably as good as – obviously not good enough to win, but as good as we even had hoped to going up there. But did find some things, I think, that, you know, I, I thought that Coach Taggart has, has the perfect recipe coming out of it, make it a two-game season. Set up Boston College in Florida as a two-game season. But the, still got to uh, uh, do some things, that, uh, fix some things at Notre Dame. The defense is the biggest mystery to me. That's just uh, – the offense shows signs to me of getting untracked and being able to get enough points on the board that you could make a case for winning games, and the defense has been the big light down lately. I think it's important to note that you know they are playing three – these past three weeks have been really good football teams. These yeah. are two teams that are on their way to be a part of a playoff, and the other team, uh, Wake, uh, excuse me, uh, NC State, found a way – to be in the top 15. They don't you know? always play well, but when they do play no, well, they, they, uh, they really units, do. Yeah, right? yeah, and I think yeah. that's important, but more than anything, we've talked about this over the last few weeks ourselves. This football team, Willie Taggart himself even mentioned, is, is mentally fragile. So what does that mean? This team cannot play from behind. It's really tough to play from behind and catch up, and I think what we've noticed over the last three games is before the game really even can can get into a flow, Florida State finds itself down multiple scores. It is really hard to make those game-changing plays when you're fighting back from 21 nothing, 17 nothing, whatever the case may be. The second half, we saw a couple of turnovers. Yeah. How nice would it have been had that been in the first half and Florida State, instead of playing on its back foot, is playing on the front foot? Yeah, no, I, I think you're absolutely right. The, the, the issue is just 
I mean, how do you reverse that? You know, um, and and I don't know. It just to to stop doing it would be, you know, uh, would be one thing. You know, to take better care of the ball. You know, and, and like you look at the the box score, uh, Florida State and Notre Dame were uh, were even in turnover margin, uh, but that doesn't really tell the story because Florida State's turnovers came when it mattered, and Notre Dame's kind of didn't. You know. I, 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 Throwing an interception on the second play of the game on the road at night at a night game, I mean, you know, you're just you're you're asking for trouble. And then I think when you have the, the track record that uh, that this group unfortunately has over the last couple of years, it, it kind of becomes sort of like a well, here we go again situation. Um, and and it's been I don't want to say it's a self fulfilling prophecy because the other teams have something to do with it, but you can kind of just you know it's like watching a rerun of a TV show. I, you know, you've seen this. You know, when you when you saw. Um, when you saw Notre Dame score that touchdown early on, and then that's just a nightmare scenario, and that you take you win the toss and take the ball, which is something you don't normally do, but you want to shake things up, set the tone. Uh, next thing you know, you're down seven points, and you're not even two minutes into the game. Um, I mean, that's that's the complete opposite of what you want to have happen. And then when you don't do anything on offense the next time out, now all of a sudden you can sort of look and say, well, you know what, I've, I've seen this show before, and, and sure enough, that's the way it was. And you got to find a way out of that. But what was different when you look at it, look at the positive, and we're, and, and we're here to look at the positive sure, sure, on sure. the inside, is you, you look at a team that had 16 penalties in the two games prior to that, knocks it down to, what, five in this yeah. ball game. Yeah. Did a really nice job of cleaning all that up. You did see the offensive staff trying to do things differently. If you look real closely, it had some blocking schemes were a little bit different. Some personnel was different in terms of the receivers and whatnot. They were trying to do things a little different. You mentioned that the running backs looked different. I agree. I think that your description of, of uh, he looked strong is really apropos. That, that's a good description of what Akers looked like. He looked strong in that ball game. <clears throat> and then defensively, I think they're trying to juggle some personnel. I think we've gotten to the point, you know, the other team's got eight games, nine games worth of film on us. And uh, they're having to juggle some things to make up for some shortcomings in terms of people playing that are smaller than they need to be or not as fast as they need to be or can't do this or can't do that. And they're kind of exposed on film right now. Some things are working, some things aren't. Uh, the fact that we haven't had a sack in three games is just as- astonishing. And remarkably enough, that might not necessarily be the defensive line's fault. That it may be the coverage is not good enough and they're able to get the pass out quicker or linebackers aren't covering underneath or whatnot. In other words... I think it's teams it, are scheming it, for it, too. It, you, you, you chalk it up to the defense. I'm not going to get into specifically where you chalk it up sure. on the defense, but we, we've got no sacks and not even a tackle for loss in the Notre Dame game. That's just not acceptable. So, uh, But uh, I don't think we trotted out the same old thing in that game and tried to no. win it, and that's, that's kind of important. And I think... I don't think the th- enthusiasm has waned for the players. I, th- I think, getting to your point about getting down early, uh, I think that's what sucks it out of you quick. Uh, it'd be nice to see a game at halftime that was close and see how excited these are, guys are to come out of halftime sure. and play a ball game. And we got a chance to do that Saturday. We'll see. And you guys, to, to your point exactly, Rob, I thought some positives that, that Willie Taggart showed. He saw wild cam for the first time in a while since uh, the Virginia Tech game. I want to say, hey, it worked. Look at that. Put him in there. Very, very interesting concept. You know what? I think kudos to him because that does work, and it's a good way to get Cam in space. I thought for the first time all season as well, we saw Florida State lined up under center. I thought that was really interesting. Fourth and one, I believe. They were able to QB sneak it up the middle and get that first down where in the past they've gotten out of shotgun and they've been stuffed before they can get even to the line. So, Positives is Willie Taggart is willing to change. There are many things that he's willing to do to adapt. He's handed over the play calls to Walt Bell so that he can see other aspects of the team. This isn't a guy that's 
going to continue to do the well, same old thing stubbornly. Tim, I think you mentioned that all, all season, at least early on. You mentioned that that uh, his mo, uh, Coach Taggart's mo, is that he adjusts yeah. things, and that not you know he's not stuck in a system, he's not stuck in a uh, in, in a set of uh, principles or whatnot. He sort of looks at the team and let's let's see what we can do best. He brought in the Gulf Coast offense. Obviously, had been working. He feels comfortable with that, but maybe he's at a point in the season now where it's look, it is a two game season. Let's just see what we can do in these next two games. You know, throw the playbook out and, yeah. and see what happens, and, and maybe it makes it a little bit more fun for the players. But I, I do think uh, he's, he's to be commended for adapting and, and at least looking at a different way to, to skin the cat. And not letting his ego get in the way yeah. of, of the, the success, the potential success of the program. There's other examples. You know, the, the, the defense made adjustments after uh, halftime, and he didn't really get into uh, the, the, the super specifics of it, but, you know, the guys were asked to do different things, and, you know, like, obviously the game script had played a big part of that, and Notre Dame took the air out of the ball in the second half, but they only scored 10 points. Uh, it was a 10-7 game after halftime, so, you know, that was a little bit better. You saw the, uh, the, the big old jumbo package uh, down there on the goal line with Robert Cooper and Marvin Wilson and Corey Durden. They called that this morning the hippo package. Mm. Uh, not too subtle, but you get nice. the point. Yeah. We hadn't seen that all year, you yeah. know, and it's some, something different, you know, and, and, you, and we know uh, that the team sometimes has had a hard time uh, in the red zone and goal line situations, short yard situations, and, and, and obviously it wasn't a complete success on Saturday, but just trying something different, um, you know, and, and I, I, I commend them for that, and, you know, you got to think at some point uh, this thing is going to break through. I mean, that's, that's kind of what they keep saying. And, and, and depth issues always catch up to you. And, and we went into the season defensively, particularly in the back half of the defense, linebacker and secondary, with depth issues. And you kind of dodge that for a while. But after game seven, eight, and nine, you're playing guys that are beat up and maybe ought to be playing half as many snaps as they should be, but you don't have a guy ready to go. You have freshmen and you're not ready. To, you know, it just it's a domino effect sure. in terms of, you know, I, I don't think if you sat down with our defensive coaching staff right now and said, hey, are you, you know, pick a play out of the third quarter. Are you happy with uh, what you had to have there? No, that's that's what, that's what I had to put in. And that's yeah. what, you know, I knew they could do this. They did that. And that, that, that's what happened. Well, so, don't forget you're still playing without Levante Taylor, yeah, too. Missed his got, second straight game. Uh, and name a team that can sure. take a, that that. Uh, is not affected by losing a starting quarterback. Alabama, Clemson, whoever you want to name, they lose a start, their starting corner. It's going to affect. Or at least going to feel it, yeah. At least in the second half, when when the chips are down. Willie Taggart said a few weeks ago that this team need to learn how to win and have a winning mentality. That that for me was highlighted uh, in that jumbo package, uh, Tim, because I thought schematically the coaches had made adjustments at halftime to put Florida State in a better position to compete in yeah. that second half. You get a couple turnovers, you get the touchdown, and then uh, you've got one other chance, and you start driving the field. You get down to the, what, two-yard line? Or do they get even to the one? I think Jacquez got to the one-yard line. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, where I actually thought he might have even reached over and got the touchdown, um, but that wasn't reviewed. That was a moment in the game where if you punch that in, it's 35-20, to 20, and really for the first time in a month, put you, some, you put game pressure put on. Put some pressure on, yeah. Right? You've, you've done yeah. that to somebody, and I think that, to me, would have highlighted improvement. Mm-hmm. We would be having, I think, a different tune. I don't know what the rest of the game would have gone like. I'm pr- I mean, would it have changed the outcome? Probably not. But we'd be having a but different it's tune. Worth, it's worth finding out. Correct, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. Like, we don't know. But yeah. I think we would be pointing to that as, hey, this team has definitely improved. They didn't quit against a top-five opponent on the road. And then, of course, you mentioned Dexter Williams, that big run. Really, at the right, right after that, it was yeah. the very next drive, and uh, that really deflated FSU. It was. This is a team that's not mentally where it needs to be to be able to bounce back from these types of blows. Things have to kind of spiral into control, so to speak, for them, where things have to go their way. And for a second, you thought you might have that, right? You had the pick from from Samuels, you had the pick from D Jack, 
and you start to feel good about it. You go, look, this is the type of Florida State defense and the type of plays that FSU is expected to make to compete. So I thought that was positive. It was positive. And the other thing about when you're behind, you don't play defense necessarily the same. I mean, you can play conservative defense and say, all right, we're going to let them drive it 12 plays right down our throat and score. Or you can take some risk and try and pop balls out and, and you know, run some stunts that are going to maybe shake something loose. And, and there's a price you pay for that if the other team's well coached and, and they pick the right play and all that kind of stuff. And Notre Dame is a really good football team. They seem to be very comfortable in what they're running. And, uh, you know, I thought we got caught a few times with some things. Guys uh, trying to freelance a little bit in the second half, under Understandably, trying to make a play instead of uh, just handling their base, and that's how things snowball. I mean, it's it's worked in our favor for years and years and years. We're just getting a full faceful of it, and it's not any fun. No, other than the result, Tim. How was your weekend, though, in South Bend? <laughs> I know it was cold, but that is one of the places that a lot of people uh, get excited to go visit. That is that is yeah, a very not- historic. Part, oh, of the, part of the country. Short short trip, but uh, but I thought it was cool. I'd never been there before. Uh, everybody was really, really friendly. Uh, you know, did the whole uh, walked around campus and, saw, you know, the dome and touchdown Jesus and all that stuff. That's a neat place. I thought the stadium was really cool. Uh, the renovation was really nice. Uh, you know, really well lit and broad concourses and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know they're in a they're in a position uh, being uh, their history and, and endowment that, uh, that yes. they, they don't have any uh, they don't have any advertisements in their stadium or anything like that. Which is you know it's an interesting experience too. It's it's kind of I mean almost like a bit of a time machine. So that was uh, no it was cool. I you know I, I I enjoyed it as much as you can. Um, you know you, you wished for a better result, but uh, but something you know being a Notre Dame late you know mid November cold weather uh, sort of thing. You know felt. Uh, I like football, for lack of a better word. You had an, you had the experience. So I think speaking, so. I think that's Notre fair. Dame experience at that time of year. <laughs> sure. I guess that's a, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, and put it. Uh, as we move forward to the Boston College game, Florida State has to put this game behind them because there are still goals to be had, most notably a bowl streak. Yeah. There are two teams that we, we have to play over the next two weeks that are probably the most – we have the best chance of beating them than we've had with the other three. Look, no one expected Florida State to win its last three games. So we're at where we thought we would be. Two games to get two wins to extend this bowl streak. It starts this week against Boston College. Tim, against an opponent who might not have its starting quarterback. Yeah, well, you know, we'll see how that goes. They didn't have him last year either. Uh, So, you know, to me, and I I wrote about this earlier today, is like the the bowl streak is what it is. But if I'm Florida State, uh, you know, I want to look at this Boston College game and say, man, these guys beat us 35-3 to last year. You know, to me, I mean, that was sort of the if if you didn't know already that something was uh, was was wrong uh, last season, you knew it after that game. Um, and so, you know, it's an opportunity. A lot of the guys that were on that team are still here now. Like, go out and, and put the put the world back on its axis, right? Uh, you know, there's no world in which Boston College should be beating Florida State 35 to three. All right, you know, like we we need some course correction here and. You know, to me, you know, the bowl streak, uh, that factors in as well, and that's a big-picture goal. And you know, certainly beating BC will help you take a step toward that. But, man, I, I, I want to see Florida State want to beat these guys. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, I, I, you know, if, if I'm Coach Tiger, and that's a, a, a tall stretch there, but for the first time this season, pride. I'd write that word everywhere I could write, all over the locker room, everywhere I can go. You play for pride. You play – better put by Tim to say, you know, right the world, put the world back on its axis. But we can close this season with some pride. Yeah. You close this season, you get to a, you can get, still get to a bowl game. So there's a lot riding on this football game against a team that uh, admittedly hammered us last year, but they're very uh, – 
I don't want to use the word predictable, but they, you know what they're going to try and do. Sure. You know how they're going to try and beat you. They're not a team that's going to try and fool you. They're not a team that's going to uh, use a lot of uh, distraction on the field. So it, it's like playing a golf course that doesn't have too many yeah. too many uh, hidden hidden trouble in front of you. You see what what you see is what you get. Boston College is very much a what you see is what you get type team. Given that, let's go out and play with some pride. Let's put in some of these other things that we're trying to put in. Let's play it in front of our home crowd for two games and and have a good time and 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 really have a chance to to write <clears throat> write the ship at the world back on the axis against a really good again really good Boston College team. The tailback seems to be hurt. Every day from Sunday through Wednesday, and then he plays yeah. on that ankle. He's a terrific, terrific football player. Uh, so uh, obviously, uh, him and in their running game, controlling their running game, limiting their running game. I guess you really don't control it. Is, is the key for Florida State. Well, and, and it's it's that type of game, right? It's uh, and you hate to make too much of it because uh, you know of, of what potentially could happen. But you know, there's not going to be any tricks or misdirections or whatever else. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're going to run it right at you and. You know, I think Boston College kind of takes pride in that. And, and look, you know, that's the kind of situation and the kind of program now where, like, and this is a team that thrives on going to play up against talented teams that don't want to be there, don't right. take them seriously, and running it right up the gut, right? I mean, that's what you're in for uh, on Saturday. But at the same time, maybe that's something that can play to a strength. I, I think Florida State's defense can be built. Uh, for something like that, you know, one on one, my guy against your guy, and let, let's, you know, you're running up the middle, and let's roll. Uh, you know, there's not going to be any confusion. I don't think in the defense, there's not going to be, uh, you know, wondering where you're supposed to be. Uh, and so it's going to be kind of a, it's certainly a different type of game than I think what they've gotten used to over the last couple of weeks. Uh, but it should be interesting. You know, I, I do think that, uh, I mean, Boston College, it's, it's a uh, it's a program that you know they had some lean years um, and, and had some lean years under Steve Adazio, but um, and you know maybe there's some parallels here. I don't I don't know or potential parallels that they they stayed the course. They built the thing the way that they wanted to build it the way he wanted to build it. I mean, there's a guy with a background as an offensive line coach. Right. So I mean, and, and this looks like a team that's coached yeah, by an that offensive right. line coach, right? Um, and and now they're enjoying their best season in years. You know, I think they're seven and three. They they lost to Clemson, but they gave Clemson their toughest game in a month. And I was twenty. Seven to seven, so take that for what it's worth. But it was a close game at halftime, and nobody else has been within earshot of Clemson. So they played them well. Um, and so, look, man, it's it's going to be a challenge. Now, from the other side of the coin, I know I'm, I'm dominating the conversation here. Is you can look at it from the other side and say, well, look, you know, if they had the home game against Clemson, you build up the hype to that. It doesn't go the way you want. You've already clinched bowl eligibility. Your quarterback Anthony Brown may or may not play. AJ Dillon, the running back, we know what a good player he is, but maybe he's a little sore. Is there a chance that maybe they're not as sharp coming into this game as they would have been a week ago? Did the schedule finally do Florida State a favor? We'll see. I I, I think that you know that's certainly worth uh, holding out hope for, um, and I, I'm I'm curious to see it. But I you know we, we were talking about this before we started recording, Rob. Those are all nice thoughts, but typically when uh, when you got a spear on the side of your helmet, uh, you don't really get yeah, that kind of luxury. The, we get the best of the best, and and when you think of Boston College, they take it right from their coach. They are a tough program. The guys are tough. They play tough. They play hard. Uh, so they're going to give you a 60-minute ball game. They're not going to give you a lot of stuff. They're not going to make a lot of mistakes on their end. They're going to make you earn every yard. But, you know, they our school, I really uh, 
I hate to say this after the Notre Dame game, but our receivers are very talented. We had some really critical drops in the Notre Dame game that hurt us. But uh, if you can get those one-on-ones out there, if you can, uh, you know, we changed some things up with that. We, we tightened up some of our formations so the passes were shorter and whatnot. So uh, we're making uh, changes there. So, you know, let's, let's get out there and, and see what happens and, and hope we have a, a great crowd. Interestingly enough, this will make everyone feel old, except for you guys that are young. Uh, <laughs> 25th anniversary, uh, the Heisman Trophy Trust will be here, and they go to the school. Uh, it's the 25th anniversary of the Heisman Trophy winner. So Charlie will be here, Charlie Ward, and the Heisman Trophy Trust will be here to present him a special plaque on the 25th anniversary of his Heisman Trophy. So that really makes you feel like... It kind of does. You know? Yeah. 25 years yeah, ago? Are you kidding? Great. All right. It so is special. That'll be nice. And listen... Listen, I hope you listen to this before the game because if you're if you're wishy-washy on whether you're coming, and this is going to sound corny, but it is not corny. There is a flyover before the oh, game. Oh yeah, this is going to be awesome. By a B-52 Stratosphere. Uh, ironically, we played in in uh, in Shreveport in the in the bowl game last year. They took a, a chance to go out on the base and and do some community service work and whatnot. Through that, a, a connection was made with a, a squadron of the B-52 pilots. And uh, Chuck Morris here in the athletic department laid the groundwork. He sets up all our flyovers. For this to happen, these are very rare. The wingspan on the B-52 stratosphere is just 11 feet shy, roughly, of the width of the football field. So when it comes over the stadium, from wingtip to wingtip is almost as wide as the football field. So it is going to be... Uh, kind of a breathtaking start to the game. And then you got Charlie Ward getting his 25th anniversary. So there's a lot of fun stuff going on uh, at this football game. And gosh knows the team could use every every helpful voice they could get. So I'm hoping everyone will turn out. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a good call. I'm glad you mentioned the, the B-52. That's uh, one that's going to be pretty sweet. Oh, it's going to be uh, awesome. I was actually able to go. Uh, I went with the team uh, when they went. Oh, was, that's uh, right. It was on Christmas Day in Shreveport. They went to the base and visited some folks, and they toured. They have like a it's like a row of uh, B-52s, um, and uh, if you've never seen one, I mean, it really is like it's something, man. I mean, it's, yeah, it's just ridiculous. It, it doesn't look like something that should be able to get off the ground. I mean, right. they're enormous, but uh, really, really cool. Uh, yeah, that's going to be one that, uh, that I might have to sneak up to the roof for. To I overheard them saying they're, they're stationed. There's only two places the B-52s are, unless there's some secret spaces, which I always think there are. Hard to keep but those things a secret, Shreveport, man. Louisiana, and Fargo, North Dakota. Yeah. Now, how many guys are praying that they don't get Fargo when they're, <laughs> when they're I got the B-52 squadron. Please be Louisiana, not Fargo. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know. But, but, it, but it, it, it's, it's going to be it'll be really neat, and uh, Military Appreciation Day. Yeah. Uh, you know, we know how, how, how one, how, how you know, good of a job that they do with all that. And the Chiefs do a nice job with it and having the B-52. There will be a lot there to, to make it worth your while. And, of course, anytime you can see uh, Charlie Ward in the house. Yeah, not, not a bad, bad thing. A little yeah. gray in his beard now. That well, hey. Right. So you got Charlie Ward. You got a flyover, uh, a new uniform combination uh, that the team is busting out That's this right. week. I saw that on uh, on Monday and was like, oh, well, that looks interesting. Yeah, so it was interesting. the uh, Garnet helmet, black jersey, Garnet pants. Is that right? I think you're correct. All right. Hey. It's interesting. Something different. Yeah. They promised they would do different uniforms, and they've held true. You uh, know what? Why not? To that promise. Why not? I'm, I'm, I'm trying anything at this point. I'm Absolutely. reserving coming. <laughs> All right. Well, Florida State, Boston College, uh, a big game for bowl eligibility for the Knowles. That'll wrap up uh, for football talk. I do want to talk some 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 hoops real quick. A uh, big win uh, yeah. at Tulane following up a uh, the statement win against the Gators. You, you're, you're in for a letdown potentially against Tulane on the road. Uh, they have a little... They have a small little gym. Uh, it doesn't hold many, but it was packed. 
they, they, they filled it to about 3,000, which is the capacity. There was a good amount of Seminole fans, and they had a Tulane team playing their first game of the year against a top 20 opponent to kick it off uh, their season. So they had a good crowd, a lot of energy, some really good international players, and they gave Florida State a little test. But as experienced top 25 teams do, the game really never got too close to a point where FSU felt uncomfortable. And every time they, they got within striking range, Florida State had the answer and a dagger. So kudos to them and the Knowles winning 80-69. to 69. Terrence Mann had a big game, Tim. Yeah, yeah. They, uh, his third career double-double, I believe, is what it was. Uh, yeah, and uh, uh, like you said, it's a veteran team going on the road. And, uh, you know, it's I'm not going to say a 3,000-person gym is a, a hostile environment, but that's a unique experience. And, and they, they can get loud. You know, those players aren't big, and they typically, you know, they, they trap sound in there. And, it, uh, you know, it, like you said, it never really got dicey for them, but there were a few stretches where, you, you know, uh, it was it was closer than maybe you would have preferred. And, and uh, you know, as you mentioned, Tulane, every every squad has at least one guy that if he has a big night can uh, can make things a little uncomfortable for you. And, and, and Tulane had one really nice player who was, I think he uh, at one point went on a 7-2 run all by himself. Uh, so that sort of thing can happen. But, you know, when you're a veteran team, you go on the road, and you, you, with, you know, withstand that storm and then, you knock down some shots and pull away, and so that's that was encouraging to me. And, and look, you know, there's there was a time in years past where a Florida State basketball team would get a big win over a marquee opponent at home, and then go out on the road against a non-power five type of team. And if, and if they wouldn't lose, they they wouldn't look good doing it. And I thought this was a, if you're looking for benchmarks, uh, they didn't do that. Bingo, exactly right. That that was a tough scenario when you look at it in the schedule, play your arch rival, uh, start the season, then have a lot of off time, then play your first road game against a, a team that is, is going to be a burr under a lot of people's saddles. I thought it was a really good road win because I felt comfortable the whole time. And you did the same thing against Florida. So we played like a top 15 team is supposed to play. And at this point, that's all you can ask. Still got Phil Kofer on the bench, and we'll be saying that probably till after Christmas. So uh, excellent win. You got uh, Canisius, I guess, that's at right. home coming on up Monday. Uh, Monday night. And then uh, and then we're on the road again. So it's not. It's gonna. we're going to feel like we hadn't seen our basketball team hardly at all because we haven't. Yeah, it's a weird uh, schedule. Not, yeah. a lot, not a lot of home games between now and New Year's. Right, but you know, you catch up later in the year, and we'll have a string of home games where it's like, okay. So, uh, you know, the early season's important, not crucial, when you've got a program that's where we're headed, I think. Uh, but uh, you got to keep an eye on everything, and, and uh, that Orlando tournament that follows Canisius uh, will be important as well. Yeah, and Florida State doesn't just schedule this game if uh, if they don't feel good about its team. Leonard Leonard knew that yeah, he's had a feeling, this yeah, team. he had a yeah. feeling that, that this team would be able to handle that to, yeah. to schedule game two of the year, a true road game well, uh, I, against that type of a conference opponent. Well, saying there's some, there's some pretty savvy guys in those basketball offices that know you know the right balance of risk versus reward versus you know wanting to learn something about your team versus putting yourself in a potentially right. bad spot. They're 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 pretty good at that. And something to note as well, uh, and I noted it right after the game. I had put it out on Twitter was that FSU could have played this type of opponent at home, won by twenty five, and uh, it would have been just like another ho hum non conference road uh, home home win. Right. To go on the road and to get this, you're going to get a few more points uh, for the NCAA resume. Yeah, it really yeah. counts a little bit more. Sure. Uh, and in the end, you never know. Seating, seating is on the line, and that, that could always matter uh, when you're in the big dance. So good for FSU. 2-0 and on the year. They get Canisius on Monday. And then, uh, like you mentioned, Rob, they go and play uh, potentially. They could play LSU and Villanova back-to-back, two top 25 teams, and, of course, Nova 
defending national champion. So a lot of tests ready. It'll be pretty cool. It'll be really fun. Uh, guys, I appreciate your time. Yes, sir. Joining this show, we are on iTunes. You guys go ahead and give us five stars. We're on SoundCloud as well. We'll be back next week for a special Thanksgiving edition of the Seminole Insiders podcast. But for now, for Tim Winnefell, for Rob Wilson, I'm Mario Masuki. Talk to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That on me, that's that pack, that's OG, that's that sack, two or three Gs, that's that gas, never on E. Look at my neck, look at my wrist.